0: Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on this March 12th. I'm glad that you are with us as we continue on in the uh, sermon series here through the Gospel of John. Together, working our way closer to Easter. Uh, we begin Easter Week on April 2nd, Palm Sunday, and we will have uh, services both to both services that day. And then we will also have a Monday Thursday service here at the church uh, that week. We'll be downstairs. We're going to have a soup supper and service, and then on Good Friday we're going to have a service here in the sanctuary where uh, seven different people are going to share about the seven different things that Jesus spoke from the cross as we reflect on the sacrifice that was made for us. And then on Easter morning, we're going to have both of our services as normal, 8.30 and 10.30, and then we're going to have a breakfast in the middle and an egg hunt for the kids at 10. And so it'll be a fun uh, time to celebrate. Hope you can come out to some of that. We also have our church directories all done now. And uh, so if you would like an electronic version of that or um, the uh, paper version, we have those at the church and I can get you the electronic sign up if you're interested in that too. So just let us know. Um, But we hope that you're doing well wherever it is that you're watching us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to John chapter 15. Um, And today I'm going to look at the verses from Uh, 1 to 17, John 15, 1 to 17, as we continue on in our Gospel of John series. Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, so remain in me. And I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Fathers loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. For my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is none more than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. This is my command now. Love each other. Jesus has just finished the uh, Passover meal with his disciples. Within hours, he was going to be arrested and taken to be crucified. Jesus knows that all of this is coming. He knows this has to happen to save you and me. He has to go to the cross for our sins, and he's willing to do it. But in his final moments, he continues to teach. He takes advantage of that time to tell them things. And in this, the last weeks, we have read some of the Lord's final teachings. Week after week, we share them here. And he seems to have saved the best for last, if I can say that, because, I mean, of course, everything that Jesus teaches is good. But these are important things that he is saying on the night before he goes to the cross. On the night before the cross, Jesus taught them what it meant to be truly great, and it was to be a servant. And he he not only taught them this, he showed them by washing their feet, telling them they should do the same. He told them also to not let their hearts become troubled, to believe in God, believe also in him, for in his father's house are many rooms. (coughs) And he goes there to prepare a place for them. Jesus taught them that He and the Father are one, and that if they have seen Him, they've seen the Father. He taught the importance of believing in Him in those moments when our faith is surely tested. And then last week we learned the teaching of the coming of the Holy Spirit, where Jesus said He was going to go to the Father, but it's good that He did, because He's going to send the Holy Spirit to come and be our counselor, to live with us and to be in us, that we wouldn't leave us as orphans, But the Spirit would remind them of everything that he taught. And so in a way, it seems to me that Jesus has reserved some of his biggest teachings for these final hours. And the one for the day is no different. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I believe this lesson on the vine and branches comes as Jesus and his disciples are walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is about three quarters of a mile away. The Garden of Gethsemane is on the opposite hill of Jerusalem called the Mount of Olives. And to get there, you have to walk through the Kidron Valley. And I've been there. The Kidron Valley in Jesus's day, just like today, is one large vineyard. And so I believe that as Jesus led his disciples from the upper room to the place where they would pray in the garden, he led them through the vineyard. And that is when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. As he would have spoken those words, all around them would have been vines and branches and clusters of grapes. Because in Israel, Passover was in the season when the olive trees were ready and the grapevines were full. And so the disciples are visually seeing everything. That Jesus is talking about the parable is all around them and it's clear they can look on the ground and they can see the branches that have fallen and have no life in them and they can see the branches that are still connected to the main vine and how those branches are bearing fruit and I think Jesus's words are very straightforward and important for us to hear for Jesus tells us that he is the vine that gives our life life. He tells us what God's will for our life is, to bear fruit, and he tells us how we can do that by just remaining attached to him, being in a relationship with Jesus. We can't produce fruit on our own independently, but Christ alive in us, working in us, will make kingdom life and good things grow in our churches and families and our work. Things that only God can do will start to happen in us and around us if we would just remain connected to Christ every day. Stay connected. He grows the fruit. We just abide. Fruit will come as long as you're walking with Jesus. I want to look at five key phrases in this scripture and all that they mean. The first is this. Jesus said, I am the true vine." And it's important that we see that Jesus uses the word true, the true vine. The reason this is important is because Israel, God's people, were called the vine in the Old Testament. This is what they were to be. Psalm 80, it says, God took a vine out of Egypt and planted it in the promised land in the hopes that its branches would stretch far and wide and give life to others and bear good fruit all over the world. This is what God called his people to be. But they failed in that. In Isaiah 5, it speaks about how God loved his vineyard, the one he planted on fertile ground. But when he went to look for its fruit, there was none. It says in Isaiah, when he looked for good grapes, he only saw bad fruit. And God says, what what am I going to do with my vineyard? Israel had walked away from God. But again, God in his love, instead of condemning the world and all of its sin, God loved the world, sent his son Jesus, who would be the true vine that would once again bring life to all who come to him. Throughout John, we see how Jesus is the answer in all of our failures. Whereas Israel was tested in the wilderness and failed, Jesus was tested in the wilderness and overcame. Whereas the kings and the priests of Israel were supposed to be the shepherds of God's people, they weren't, and all the people scattered and were lost. But Jesus came as the good shepherd to seek and save the lost, and to lay down his life for his sheep. Whereas God's people were supposed to be a light unto the nations, they weren't. So John says in First John, or in John 1, 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus would be everything that Israel failed to be. Jesus said, I am the true light. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so here he says, I am the true vine. In the Gospel of John, what we keep seeing in almost every chapter is how Jesus is what we could not be. John is using the language of the Old Testament to speak about who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, and everywhere that we fall short, he is our answer. He is our life. He is the true vine. What Jesus is also saying is that from now on, the true Israel are those who are connected to him, the true vine. In some ways, Jesus is talking to about who the real people of God will be moving forward, not just the descendants of Abraham anymore doing the particular rites and rituals. But the true children of God will be those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, his one and only Son, our Lord, receiving forgiveness in his name and eternal life. He will do in them what they cannot do for themselves. Jesus said, The Father is the gardener who cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit, so that every branch that does bear fruit will be even more fruitful. Jesus is kind of saying, Israel, you're at a fork in the road. You can keep going your way, which only leads to death, or you can follow me, believe in me, and bear much fruit. My vine is going to bear much fruit in your life and for the kingdom. But apart from me, you'll be cut off. In these final moments before the cross, Jesus keeps telling his disciples there's only one way forward. He is the true vine. Now I want you just to think a little bit about your life. You know, there are times when we all face decisions and it's like that fork in the road and it just seems so clear. Are we going to keep going our way, which is going to lead to destruction? Are we going to go God's way, submit our life and surrender our life to Jesus Christ and His way and His plan and His purposes and bear fruit and bear life? Jesus is the true vine and we're the branches. If we abide in Him, stay with Him, our life will bear much fruit as it was meant to do. I also think about something else here. It's interesting in the book of Revelation and some of the other prophetic books in the Bible. It speaks about how new life will come down upon the land of Israel in the last days. It says that where there was only dry ground and barren soil, fruit trees will again fill the land. Trees will grow and harvest will come and fruits, uh, it says of the greatest taste and orchards that bear the biggest and the best olives will again be seen in Israel. And this is kind of like a sign, evidence of God restoring life to a once deserted land. And I have made a friend in Israel in my trips over there, a friend who owns a shop in Jerusalem. And I go to see him every time that we go there. And he's an older Jewish man, and we always try to bring our groups into his store because he has a wonderful way of speaking and can talk with them. And and he's so friendly, and he helps us understand a little bit of the Jewish way of thinking. But he will often tell our groups of how uh, the physical land of Israel was pretty dead and barren for a long time with all the wars that happened there throughout the centuries and neglect and things just didn't grow. It was a desert land. But he said, in the last 70 years, so much has turned green again and has been restored. He said, new farms have come and people have planted fields again and orange groves and vineyards and he said people visiting will often say this is the best fruit I have ever tasted the best olives the best wine and he sees that as answer to prophecy but I think the Bible is mostly here talking about the fruit of our lives and how in the last days God will rise up a people belonging to him who put their faith in Jesus Christ and experience all the new life he brings And all that was once barren and dead comes to life again. And all that was once just bad fruit, now through Christ and his spirit in us, begins to grow new good fruit. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and humility and salvation. A change begins to happen in people when they are connected to Jesus Christ. And moms become good moms, and dads, good fathers, and people who once only thought about themselves now start thinking about others and are generous and kind and good to their neighbors. And churches that were once empty and complacent are filled with a new life and song and joy and mission and preaching from God's word, and it's changing lives and communities around them. Life is beginning to grow again where it wasn't before. Fruit. Jesus said, I am the true vine, you are the branches. When we open up our lives to him and begin to walk with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, new life begins to grow. Jesus is saying from now on, the true Israel will be those who find their life in him. He is the true vine, the giver of all life. The next phrase, though, I wanted us to think about here in our scripture is what abide in me really means. Jesus says, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Abide means to remain with him. It means literally to stay attached. And I think this is so wonderful because in some ways, our job as Christians is simple. Just to stay connected to Jesus every day, to keep our eyes on the Lord. That's our number one job. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble a heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is talking about doing life with him and how in that everyday relationship with Christ, it won't be overwhelming or burdensome. But he will show us what to do, when to do it, and where to go. And he will work in us to accomplish all that God wills. In our scripture, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Just remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's about our relationship with Christ, that we must keep strong every day, that we will keep growing in. If we care first for that number one relationship in our life, then all the other things in our life will be positively affected. Jesus says, if my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and I will give it. He's talking here about spending time in his word and about calling out to him in prayer. And this is part of how we stay connected and grow in our relationship with Christ. I have to do that every morning or I drift away from where I should be in my mind and in my heart and in my behaviors. I need that time with the Lord every day to keep me focused or I start to detach, I start to mindlessly scroll through my phone or watch way too much television or fill my head with garbage or just get so busy, even good things, that I forget why I'm here and what life is first about, my first love. And I want to encourage you today to spend some time with God. And I want to encourage you that if you're reading your Bible, start with prayer. Ask the Lord to meet you within the words and to show you what he wants you to hear. And when you pray, pray to him who knows you. Make this time personal. It's not just some ritual or some book or some words. The Lord loves you and knows you and wants you to know him and his plans. So share your heart with Christ. Talk to him about your fears and hopes and dreams and kids and needs. Don't detach from him. Stay connected to your first love. Jesus goes on, though, to say, as the fathers loved me, I love you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love. So here we see another example Jesus has given of how we remain, abide in him, and that is obedience. Sin separates us from God, and so to abide in Christ means to obey the Lord. And when we fall away, to repent and return to him and confess that sin and receive his forgiveness. But but see, this is important for us to always be examining our life and not straying away from him into disobedience. Jesus continues here to say, and my command is this, to love one another as I have loved you. And so abiding in Christ, here is another thing, to keep choosing to love people as He has loved us. So Jesus gives us, you see, some examples here of what it really means to abide in Him. It means that daily relationship with with Jesus that we invest in, keeping him strong by spending time in His Word and prayer and worship and with other believers. It also means obedience, you know, and continuing to confess our sins and receive His forgiveness. And it also means loving one another. These are some ways that we abide in Christ daily. Carrie and I Uh, We just celebrated our 22 years of marriage on Friday, and I asked her to marry me so long ago because I wanted to do life with Carrie. You know, I loved her more than anyone I had ever met, and I wanted to do my life with her. I didn't know at that time what was going to happen in our life. I didn't know about two kids named Aria and Matthew. I had no idea about Canada or Nebraska or where we would be, but I knew I wanted to live my life with her, beside her, making our decisions together as one side by side. And I was reminded of that this week, of the joy of that, and what a joy it is to have a friend or a spouse or family to do life with. But any relationship, you can drift apart so easy if you're not careful. Life and all of its busyness and bitterness and hurt feelings and priorities, whatever. It takes work to stay married over a lifetime. It takes sacrifices to keep doing life together, to stay in unity and love and fellowship with each other. We got to be intentional about that. Well, our relationship with the Lord is no different. You have to be intentional to do life with Christ. But that's all we really need to worry about. He'll take care of the fruit if we just abide in him. The next word I wanted to point out from this scripture is the word prune. Gardeners prune back the branches of their trees so they get even more fruitful. Jesus said that he's the vine, that God the Father is the gardener, and that all the branches that don't bear fruit, God cuts off. But Jesus said that the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes so they might bear even more fruit. So I realized reading this that I'm going to get cut Either way, right? God is going to do this work in my life. He sees what needs to happen in me, what is still in my heart that's perhaps holding me back from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, something that is still getting in the way. And so even if I'm abiding into the Lord in some ways, even when I'm walking with Jesus and seeing some good fruit in my life, even as churches or ministry, when good things are happening, God can still see what needs to happen. And sometimes he's prudent to make us even more fruitful. He's disciplining us. He's allowing us to go through a struggle. He's making us stronger. He's building some more hope, some greater love. Will we trust him in the process of the pruning? For his goal is not to harm us, but to free us and make us even more fruitful. If you know stuff about gardening, you know that you got to cut back the branch sometimes. You know, I've, I've heard that when people are growing vineyards, they keep cutting back the branch for a number of years Even though they could get some fruit today, they don't settle for the little fruit today. They keep cutting because they are looking forward to the large harvest that will bear much more fruit decades to come. And so by fruit, by pruning today, they get the most out of tomorrow, the most out of the branch that they are growing. Sometimes a little loss brings a big gain. Think about that. Are we open to what God wants to do in our life long term? And are we willing to let go of something now for something greater later? I can get, get content sometimes with what God wants to do, uh, you know, or with it's happening in my life and and not want to do that which God wants to do in me. I can get comfortable where I am, but God wants me to keep growing, wants to keep improving us and growing us and our influence and impact and character and hope and, to reach more people. And he and so he changes us. He allows for a struggle. He stops one thing to start another. He pushes us to the point where we don't know if we can take it. He speaks hard truths to us. He forces us to deal with issues that we don't want to look at. He refines us in the fire. At times, it may only look like a loss, but it's because we can't see what he can see about tomorrow. He's trimming us for an even greater harvest. He's up to something. And sometimes we got to get cut. We need to pray, Lord, is this something that you are bringing about in my life? I need to trust you. Help me, Lord. God, is this painful struggle that I'm going through right now, this difficult loss or this new season, is there something you're trying to do in me? And I just need to cling to you in it. He's shaping us for greater fruitfulness. The next word I want to mention from our scripture is the word friend. This is the first time Jesus calls his disciples friends. They aren't just his servants or students. They're his friends. Jesus says they're his friends because he knows his business. They know his business. A servant wouldn't. He has let them in on the mission and on his heart, and that is why he calls them friends. He even tells them in verse 13 that greater love is none more than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends, he says. Just think about that word friend for a minute. It's a great word. Can you think about the people in your life that you have called friends? I have lived in many different places, and so I've had many different friends at different times. My first friend, though, was a boy that I met in kindergarten. His name was Mike, and he would give me a hug every time I showed up for school. It would embarrass me so much. But he had bright white hair, and he loved to play Star Wars just like me, and he was an artist. And he moved away when we were in high school. I had other friends, Scott and Brad and Lucas and Aaron, amongst others that were in my youth group or school, and and they were my friends. And we liked playing baseball, and we talked about girls and traded cards, and we tried to figure out what life was about. In college, my friendships really went to another level, and I think that's because, you know, we lived together every day, and we prayed, and we had Bible studies together, and we thought about future and life and careers, and made mistakes together, and, and I stood beside those guys in their weddings, and, and they stood beside me and mine, and we're friends even today. Uh, when we get together, it can be even months or years in between, but it all comes back, there's that bond there. I've told you this before, that I consider you friends. I realize some people in our life are deeper friends than others, closer friends, but I consider so many in this church To be dear friends. Someone once told me, if we even have just one friend, boy, that is a lot. That is a gift. To have one person that you can talk to or that you can love or feel the strength when they're around. And someone you know is going to tell you the truth even when no one else will. Someone who will stand by you even when you mess up. A friend is a pretty amazing thing. Well, Jesus called his disciples friends. And if we read closely, we realize he means you too. Not just those guys, but all of us who believe in him and have come to him. I love the old hymn, What a Friend, we have in Jesus. Jesus was even called a friend of sinners. You are a friend of God. Again, this reinforces the relationship piece. We're called to abide in Christ, not for the rules and the rituals, but a relationship of love and a trust within a person, our Savior. A friend who imparts the secret wisdom of the universe to us. His plans and invites us to participate with him. A friend that you can be honest with and who is honest with you. One that is faithful and devoted and won't leave you when everybody else does. You have a friend in Jesus. Won't you be a friend to him? And then the final thing I wanted to mention from this chapter is how that Jesus tells his disciples that they didn't choose him, but he chose them. In that culture at that time, there were many teachers or rabbis, and if you wanted to learn from them or learn from the best, you would go to that teacher and you would ask if you could follow them around and learn from them. The student would seek the rabbi, not the other way around. But with Jesus, it was reversed. He knocks on our door. Jesus is reminding them here that he chose them. They didn't choose him. He went to Peter And got into Peter's boat, helped him catch a miraculous, catch of fish. And then Jesus said to Peter, won't you follow me? And Peter did. Then he went over to Matthew's tax collector booth. And he did the same thing. Then he went up to Philip and Nathaniel from a distance. He then invited John to come and join him. Every one of his disciples, Jesus chose. That is why Paul says in Ephesians that we have all been chosen by the grace of God. Our God has personally come up to you and invited and called you. And I really want you to know that. I don't know why, but of all the people in the world, you and I get to know him. We have been invited into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We get to know the truth of God. We get to walk in the freedom and salvation of the Lord. My life has been so richly blessed because he has come into it. I can't imagine my life without Jesus or the purpose and the life that he has given me. Why has he been so good? Yet he has. And I didn't choose him. He came and chose me. And so that should make all of us feel pretty special and grateful. We have to answer that call. We have to open the door to him. We have to believe in him. And we have to abide in him. But he comes to us first. Who am I that the God of the universe would seek me out would care about me, save me, love me, call me friend. Abide in him, and your life will be supernaturally blessed. You will bear good fruit in the name of Jesus Christ, who is with you and for you and in you, all to the glory of God. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.